The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. I can still recall the day when Jesus saved my soul, when His blessed Holy Spirit came and took control. I trusted in His precious blood, my sins. Uh, Father, help us this morning to get what you want. We didn't come here to uh, just to... uh, worship you in music and worship you in spirit and truth. We came here to receive something from heaven. And in that, you've prescribed and you have kept going this foolishness, as you call it, of preaching for now almost 2,000 years. We pray, Father, that through one more time, the preaching of the Bible may do its work. Through the blessed Holy Spirit, Uh, Some plant, some water, but we know that you give the increase. So give the increase as you see fit. Sometimes just to preach so folks will know. Sometimes it's so that they'll change. Father, just make your work to be known in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Peter 2, verse 11. That verse should be in the bulletin. It is. And tonight we have the the blessed opportunity to hear a missionary, uh, uh, Steve Ludwig, preach. I don't know. I think maybe you preached here one other time. Brother Steve Ludwig's a missionary to Rock of Ages. I always want to say cleft for me. I just can't. I can't do it. Rock of Ages prison ministries. And I love the Rock of Ages prison ministries. We support four guys from the Rock of Ages prison ministries. Don Dunn was the first one. And then we went on to support some others. The latest one was Brother Seabass and then Brother Ludwig as they came down. Uh, and, and he got in touch with me, and we got to know him a little bit. I really appreciate he and his family, his wife, and his, just his kids. Uh, they, they stayed out at my prophet's chamber, out at my house. They were one of the very few uh, children that ever came up to me and asked me if I had any work, Brother Tom. Imagine that. Why, brother, that made me, I almost had chills going up and down my spine like that. They said, do you have any work we could do? I go, I like these people, amen. I had another missionary family stay with me with four kids, and their bo- the, the boy came up to me there and says, you got any work? I gave him a pick and a shovel to work to dig through hard pack, hard pack. I mean, he just, and he worked all day long, working a little trench, put a little, I put a pipe in it across my road, and I still, when I go over there, I think of that boy. He's probably 30s now. I think of that boy working that day. It's good. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Caught my attention uh, on the big picture. I want to talk to you about the subject it brings up. Dearly beloved, this is uh, Peter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, of course, in the Bible. I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. That's us. You heard the old song, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. That, that's what he's talking about. I hope you don't feel too comfortable in this place. In fact, if you get to be too comfortable in this place, you're backslidden. Ooh, that was good. If you're too comfortable in this place, you're backslidden. Because your spirit should not be happy with what you see going on around us. 
the Holy Spirit in you is not happy with this world and what's going on in this old world. And if you're a truly born again believer, uh, you can't fake it till you make it. Uh, you can backslide. You can get into the world and start trying to do the things in the world, which I'm going to talk to you about here. But, brother, you're never going to be like you were before you got born again. Peter says here, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts. And this is the phrase, the next phrase is what I want to bring out, which war against the soul. There is a war raging right now against your soul. But what is your soul? It's who you are. It's who you are. I feel it daily. How about you? Uh, it gets up with me in the morning and goes to bed with me at night. I do not watch evening news anymore. I used to be a big lover of world news tonight. I, I can't watch it anymore because if I do, I'm up into the wee hours of the morning with this grieved spirit at what I see going on in the news. I mean, I can't even hardly watch the local news because all they want to put on there is so-and-so murdered, so-and-so, and so-and-so raped, so-and-so, and so on. This 15-year-old girl was abducted by and held in the woods captive, and, and that's just last week. And I, I, I yell at the TV and say, is there not anything positive in anything you're talking about? But it tells you where we're at. They say bad news makes news. Good news is no news. In the, in the news industry. But we're in a war against the soul. If you're born again, whether you like it or not, you're in the war. You can say, I'm not in the war. I don't want to be in the war. You're going to be in the war. Oh, you can give in. You can relax. The uh, Holy Spirit in you will not, however, allow you to remain in defeat. A Christian can backslide. A Christian can do anything the world does. But they can't do it with the same feeling. Uh, the, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit will spoil the flesh's fun. The morning after will be horrible for you. There'll be no peace, no comfort, no genuine joy that belongs to the defeated Christian. The Christian wounded by the flesh or stung by the fiery darts of the wicked one or pierced with their sins will and cannot be happy. Galatians chapter 5. Take your books if you would have turned to there. Just a couple of verses. I'll not run you all over the Bible, but these are some verses you need to look at. Galatians 5, 17. And Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, if you're around that area. And you will be. In Galatians 5, 17, for the flesh lusteth, that's passionately works against the spirit. And the spirit passionately works against the flesh. Those, those statements are equal. And these are contrary one to another, the old flesh and the spirit, uh, so that you cannot do the things you would. And, and he's talking about there as a Christian, it's very similar to Romans chapter 7, where he said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Paul, in his frustration of the war, is mad about it. How long is this going to go on, this flesh and spirit and flesh and spirit? When you get born again, trust me, if anybody's ever told you this, they've lied to you, that things are just going to turn up roses. 
When you get born again and get your sins settled with God and get reconciled through the blood of Jesus Christ and all your sins are washed as white as snow, put as far as the east is from the west behind his back to be remembered no more. This is just the beginning of the thing. Now God puts you in this hostile environment as a born-again believer. You are a stranger now. You are a pilgrim now. You are an outcast now. And indeed, this world is not your own. Why does God leave us here? It's a testing ground to see who you are, what you're made of. How do you know what somebody's made of? Not by, they used to say, uh, uh, sailors are not made on calm seas. Sailors are made on rough seas. Amen. Uh, I remember that old depression generation, almost all gone now. That old depression generation wouldn't have wished for, wouldn't have wanted, would, would, and, and, and did not enjoy the depression when 25% unemployment and, and had soup kitchen and the people lost everything. But, brother, it did something for that generation that nothing else could do. Do you agree? It made them work. They had a work ethic and a, and, and a, uh, a, a frugality about them that you can't teach in school. And this battle that we're in, this war that we're in, teaches us things that nothing else can teach you. You won't get out of just reading. I read the Word of God. That's beautiful. Now he wants me to apply it, act it out. And that's what the whole thing's about. Ephesians 6.12 says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So when he says to abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, uh, the word war, that indicates that we're in a war, that we are soldiers in that war. And the Bible says, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, therefore thou, there, thou therefore endure hardness, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, that completely agrees with the rest of Scripture. We the, the, the word picture of our life after salvation is now you've joined Jesus Christ's army, and I'm a soldier of the cross, and now I am in a war every day as I get up, not just against the flesh, and, but I'm a, I'm, I'm a war against the world's philosophy and their thinking and they're trying to pull me off of God. And I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm also in war against the devil. So I'm against the flesh, the world, and the devil are against me, trying to destroy me, trying to get me to move away from God. This world's not a friend of grace to bring me on to God. No. It's a war. The Bible it says in 2 Timothy there, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. Who chose you to be a soldier? Jesus Christ. Who's our commander-in-chief? Jesus Christ is our commander-in-chief. What is my motivation to live for God and to abstain from the flesh and the world and the, the devil? To please him that called me to salvation. To please him that went through Golgotha 
uh, on Via Della Rosa on the road to the cross and took all that he took and was crucified and took all my sins upon him and finally cried, it is finished. The salvation I came for has been purchased. And then God the Father sealed the deal with the resurrection, saying that this indeed is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. That was what the resurrection was. So when Muhammad comes up and says, I'm, you know, no, no, you're not. When Buddha says, I, no, you know, you're not. They're all still in the grave. No resurrection. No resurrection. Soldiers, in theory at least, present their bodies as a living sacrifice to the government. We have some soldiers in here. How many served in the military? Raise your hand. Served in the military. Okay. How many served in the Marine Corps? The real military. Just kidding, man. Don't, don't take up arms. If it wasn't for the Navy, the Marines could not get on the shore where they could get killed. My dad joined the Marine Corps in World War II, was on the LS, or LST on the way to the shore, and the bullets were hitting the thing. He's describing it to me, and he said, oh, I wish I had joined the Navy. Oh, I wish I had joined the Navy. Oh, I wish I had joined the Navy. He said, I don't want to die. Nobody wanted to die. He said, them growing tough. I mean, he said before that, those guys were as tough as nails. On the way to that shore, when the bullets started hitting that metal in front of them that they knew was going to have to drop, some of them were crying out for their mothers. John Wayne said, there's nothing wrong with being scared if you just saddle up anyway. Where did I get that? I have no idea, but I read it in a poster sometime. I probably was in the youth room. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a what kind of sacrifice? God doesn't really want you to die for him. He wants you to live for him. It's uh, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You can't be holy and acceptable. You will not be a living sacrifice if, you, if it's not pure. Purity. He says, they, they, when it talks about the second coming of Christ, or the coming of Christ, says, they that have this hope within them purifieth themselves, even as he is pure. The Bible says, keep thyself pure. In other words, the, the world's out there trying to pollute you and pollute you so God will judge you for the pollution. And God says, keep yourself pure. I'll give you the power. You come to me. You fall and ask for help and I'll come. Be wise concerning that which is uh, pure, but innocent concerning that which is evil. Purity. You present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, who has called you and done what he did for you. The soldier out there that joins the U.S. military, and we've got a lot of soldiers in this room, when you signed that paper, you know what you signed away? Charlie, you signed away your freedom. You signed away your freedom, what you did. Uncle Sam now becomes the guy going to tell you when to get up, where to do, what to do, what to wear, how to cut your hair, what to go. And brother, you don't decide, well, I don't want to go over to Afghanistan. You could get hurt over there. They say, load up, get on this thing. You're going to fly over there. You're going to, they say, well, I want you to go kick in those doors in, Mo in Mosul. And I want to see, I want you to, you know, have eight of you going, ten of you going there and kick those doors. They say, why, if you kick those doors in, well, you could get killed doing that. They don't ask you those questions. Get in there and kick them doors in. You no longer are your own. You're bought. With a price. You signed your name, said, I want to be part of this, this government's military. I'm willing to obey the rules. I'm willing to obey the laws, even to my personal sacrifice. 
Well, my, if people will do that for this world, which is temporal, how much more should we as born-again believers be willing to say that to our Savior who died and has given us eternal life? And he puts us into some, some dangerous places. He puts us into some hard situations. He puts us into some areas of suffering. And no matter what, we are not our own. We're bought with a price, so we sacrifice ourselves. In theory, at least, we give ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. That's what he says in Romans 12, 1. We don't choose where we go, what we do. Our commander-in-chief says, do it, we do it. God says, go in the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's my job. I'm supposed to do it. Bingo. We're supposed to pray for one another, make supplication. I do it. Bible says, study that I show, show thyself approved a workman to God, need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I do it. Why do I do what I do? Why do I read the Bible? Why do I pray? Why do I support missions? Why do I go door to door? Why do we do the bus ministry? Why do we do everything you see around here? It's because our commander in chief said, do it. It's not because some guy up here is telling you to do it. Some preacher is telling you to do it. It should be because my commander in chief said to do it. Now what happens to a soldier when he says, I ain't going to do it? A-W-O-L. Absent without leave. My, 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 uh, on the islands, my dad said, uh, the sergeant told us, if you run that way, we shoot you. If you run this way, the Japs may shoot you, but you run this way, we will shoot you. You didn't get to go back. When they let you off and the water is behind you, the ocean's behind you, and the Japs in front of you, where are you going to go? You got to go forward. And mother, God's let us off on the shore, and he says, go into the world. Preaching. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. The results are mine. The battle is mine. The, the outcome is mine. But you are under orders. Do the right thing. Obey me. That's the war. We enter into the war. It's not friendly. It's not friendly. We're in enemy territory. Not on friendly ground. Hostility on every hand. To the soldier who wants to please his commander, many things must be given up personally. You must give up your independence. You must give up your freedom of movement. I am not in South Florida because I want to be. I know you're not going to want to believe this. I know this seems like I'm only here because God said to be here. Trust me on that. I've had opportunities to preach all over the country to pastor in churches. A mission. You imagine this. I, I had opportunity to pastor a church in Michigan over 2,000. I said no. Not because it's crummy weather. It's because God said no. You have to stay in Benita. And I know that doesn't seem like much to you guys. You say, oh, preacher. I went down and visited the Cayman Islands one time, and the Cayman Islands is like, ooh, it's idyllic. It's just idyllic. And I was diving all around there, lobsters just off the shore, go get your supper at night, and sit there and cook them on the fire on the beach and all that kind of stuff. It's just unbelievable. I went to the old preacher that was there, and I said, how'd you get a call here? He says to me, God called me here. I said, God bless you, brother. I'm from South Florida. I got the same trouble you got. Nobody believes this. It's true. It's true. 
You lose, you lose, give up your freedom of movement. You give up your personal pleasures. The war is between what you should do and what your flesh wants to do. Do you get that? The war. You know what you should do, Christian. The average Christian, let me say this. The average Christian is not disobeying God because he doesn't know what's right and wrong. Okay? And this is, this is a credit to our, our, our encouragement to read your Bible and our encouragement to come to church and hear the preaching of the Bible. And you learn what to do from the preaching of the Bible. You learn what to do from the reading of the Bible. You learn these things. Most Christians fail not from a lack of knowledge. They fail from a lack of willingness to obey their master. Because it's not about obeying a preacher. It's not about obeying a church. It's about obeying your master which has made the local church and called the local preacher and put the deacons together and brought the whole thing together and all of us join our hands one to another because we are in a war. And the way a wolf kills a sheep is they run at the sheep and one of the, when one of the babies or something panics and runs out by itself, the wolf leaves the rest of the sheep and goes out there and kills the one. That's exactly what the devil does for us here. He'll come at you and try to get you to run. Try to get you to move. Try to get you to get away. Try to get you to isolate yourself. Folks, have you ever tried to barbecue something with one coal? With one brisket? Take one brisket. Put it down there. See, or just, I'll tell you what. Take all your briskets and separate them by an inch and set them in the bottom of your, of your charcoal grill. Keep them about an inch apart. Put all kinds of stuff on them and see how it works. Brother, what you do when you want a barbecue is you take all them little briskets and you pile them up. I know the Boy Scout way of making a fire, campfire. You make a teepee. And I just did it the other day. I showed Tyler, my adopted son. I said, I mean my stepson. I didn't adopt him, brother. Where are you at? Uh, stepson. And I put him in I put him in in a in a teepee like this. And you put them things in a teepee and they get a hot center. And that hot center will keep that thing going. That's you and me for Christ. Man, we need each other. I meet people out there that have left the local church because some deacon didn't treat them right. Somebody didn't shake hands. Brother, you people have been in the military. Your drill sergeant, he isn't real concerned about your feelings. He wants you to survive. My dad said he's in the military and one day, he took his, uh, he, the one guy, he didn't clean his underwear he wanted to. The guy took his underwear in front of all the men, threw it in the mud, went like this, and he said, now pick that up and clean it the way it ought to be cleaned. My dad said, I, nobody had ever done that to me. Ultimately, he said, that was my best friend. That drill sergeant kept me alive, taught me things that I could survive with, and taught me how to survive in a case of war. And that's what your local Christians are doing. When they insult you, they give you an opportunity to bless them. That's the trouble. You don't get it. Here's the thing. When people are mean to you and treat you wrong, that's your opportunity to do good unto them. That's your opportunity to help them. That's your opportunity to send them a gift card. That's your opportunity to take them out to eat and buy. That's your opportunity to say, I love you. They'll say, I hate you. Bless them and curse you. Do good to them despitefully use you. Isn't that what Christianity is? But what we want to do is live in pleasure 
the enemy of your soul is your lust. What is your lust? It is your body and wanting to comfort itself and have pleasure in every way imaginable. Every way imaginable. Sleeping in can be wicked sin. Staying up too late can be wicked sin. See, you got your morning people saying amen to the first one. You got your night people saying amen to the last one. Now, what I really wanted was this. The truth is that you're supposed to get about eight hours sleep a day, six to eight hours sleep a day. If you don't do that, you're harming your body. It's sin. If you get 12 hours sleep a day and you're not 85, it's sin. You're a lazy slugger. I heard people tell me, oh, I just love to sleep in. It makes my skin crawl. Oh, you sleep in once you have. What I'm trying to say is laziness is a war against your soul. Your flesh is trying to pamper itself. It tries to, it tries to, oh, be nice to me, be sweet to me. The Bible says that's warring against your soul. Name any sin is for pleasure. Alcoholism, drugs, sex, any of that stuff. All pleasure, 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 pleasure. And it's warring against your soul. Don't give in to it. First Timothy 5, 6 says, But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. You got that? She's dead. God says, yeah, she's alive, but she's as good as dead while she liveth. Second Timothy 3, 1 through 4, talks about the last time. Some of you always ask me, what about the last times, preacher? Well, 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, 1 through 4, gives about as clear a definition as what's going to happen in the last days. Didn't the Bible say, didn't Jesus say, in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. He says, in the last days, this know also in the last days, perilous times shall come. The word perilous can mean hard times. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Now, you, were, you thought he'd go into economics, hard times. People immediately want to go, oh, you mean the economy's going to collapse and we're going to be eating what we grow? And, and for some of us, that's going to be mighty skinny. And, and we're going to, we're going to have nothing. We're going to be walking around in rags. God's not talking about that. That's cheap stuff. He's talking about the real stuff. He said here, they'll be lovers of their own selves. That's something you would never guess. What's, what's one of the characteristics, God, of the last times? These perilous times that you say are coming. Men should be lovers of their own selves. What is that? Self-centeredness. Selfishness. Self-consumed, taking selfies, buying selfie sticks, just stuff like that. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, trust, truce breakers, can't make any bargain, can't, they won't keep their word. False accusers, incontinent, no self-control, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Look at the end. Traitors, heady, high-minded, and what I was getting down to, lovers of pleasures, it's plural. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. What's the characteristic of somebody that's in the flesh, somebody that's 
this uh, the, 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 a characteristic that God considers so horrible that it is a, it is a literally worst pe- place people can get into. It's the characteristic of the days of Noah. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. The end times, the, the falling away times, the apostasy times. It's because people will be wor- running around worried about doing good to themselves. They're going to love pleasure. They're going to love pleasures. That'll be what their key focus is. I've heard, I've heard uh, kids say oftentimes, I just want to have fun. Pleasures. Pleasures. Doesn't mean you can't have fun, but you surely don't live for fun. Fun isn't something that you, hey. <laughs> I get a kick. So many illustrations come to my mind. Women have in them the God-given desire to have babies. It's deep. It's real deep. In fact, a woman doesn't have a baby. She's a special kind of person. There's, a, there's something that's not fulfilled. The Bible talks about it. God placed in her a desire to have children. We men, we look at her and we we'll go, you want a baby? Now see if I got this right. A baby, you're going to get big and fat and have stretch marks for nine months. You're going to have that baby, which is going to be going right on the threshold of death. Because the way I heard the screaming, it sounds like they're dying. Oh, I'm not talking about these epidurals and all that sissy stuff. I'm talking about natural childbirth, the way it was done for 6,000 plus years. And, and I mean, and then after that, you're going to bring that kid home and he's going to, you know, cry on one end. And you're going to be absolutely attached to that child for a year, two years. And so you can't explain that because that's not pleasure to the flesh. But it is what God wants us to do. And God says, I put desire in there that's going to cause you trouble. It's going to cause you pain. It's going to cause you some anguish. But it's a good thing in the end. That's the way God does a lot of things, doesn't he? It's hard at the beginning. It's tough at the beginning. There's a lot of sacrifice at the beginning. But if you do what God asked you to do, the reward of it is deep and wide and long-lasting. Not like the cheap junk of the world, the lust of the flesh. It says in Colossians 3, 2, it says, Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Have you enlisted? You've been born again. You're enlisted in the army of God. The Bible says where your treasure is. Jesus said where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We born again Christians need to keep a focus on who we are and where we're at. And understand that if you relax, you can become a casualty in this war. What is a casualty? It doesn't mean you lose your salvation. It simply means you're killed for effectiveness for Christ. You can be a casualty in effectiveness. You can lose your holiness. You can lose your testimony. You can lose your ability to, to be a witness for Christ by your obeying these fleshly lusts which war against the soul. And once you lose that, It is not easily regained. I always say this, credibility is hard to get and real easy to lose. 
Keep focused. Schedule yourself. The best, this is the best part of the message in the next three minutes. Schedule yourselves for righteousness. Inculcate in you habits that will lead you to the light, away from the flesh and to the spirit. Habits. Many of you in here have done that already. And you could say amen, but you're not. You could say amen, but you're not. You know, when a preacher don't think something's going through, he just goes longer. Just goes longer. That's a vote to go longer. How much scripture you memorized lately? How much scripture have you read lately? Who have you prayed for? Give a prayer list. You you really cry out to God for souls. Have you prayed for your neighbors by name? Over and over again. Do you Come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, because you want what God has for you? Are you tithing? And I don't talk about money, you know that. And God said if you don't, you're robbing. Are you supporting missions so that we can get the word, we can get the gospel to those who haven't had a chance to get it? Do you have habits in these areas? Habits, habits, habits. You know what a habit is? How many here smoke? How many here used to smoke? Raise your hand. Come on. It's okay. Nobody's keeping attendance. I used to smoke. And I'm going to tell you, I got in a habit of reaching in this pocket here. It was a process. It wasn't smoking. It was a whole process. Reaching in the pocket, doing this, getting the cigarette out, tapping it. That's before filters. Camel, non-filter. A little short. They didn't need to be long. You didn't need a hundred millimeter. You didn't need a little hundred millimeter camel, brother. And you tap that thing, and it was it was you know right now, putting it, lighting it. For, oh. I decided one day not to do that anymore. I said I'm not going to do that anymore. I think this is a bad habit. It smells, burns my clothes. Uh, nobody wants to be around me, and you always have bad breath. So I said I'm going to quit it. What I didn't know, it smacked me around like a toy. It said, you will smoke more. You will smoke more. And I quit a hundred, about a hundred packs of cigarettes minimum, took one cigarette out of them, one puff, got under conviction, threw it out, threw the pack out. I was keeping bums in cigarettes. It would go along and look for cigarettes. In fact, I think it was Chris told me the other day he found a full pack of cigarettes. It was a really big day for him. Was that you? Was that you? No, that was yesterday. No, that was when he was a kid, when he was wicked and vile, and, and, and his mother probably don't even know he did that. But anyway, now it's on tape going to go over the Internet. I want to be in the habit of reading my Bible. It's, when I say I ain't going to read it anymore, it goes, Oh, yes, you are. What? 
I don't want to read anymore. Oh, yes, you will. You're not going to be happy today if you don't read your Bible. You're not going to be fulfilled today if you don't read your Bible. You're not going to be complete today if you don't read your Bible. You must read your Bible. I'm not theorizing here. I'm in a habit where I got to read it. It's a good thing. I'm in a habit where I have to pray. Or I feel like I'm rotten, no good, low life. Folks, get in godly habits, and habits are developed. They say over a period of 40 days doing the same thing, you develop a habit. That's what the secular world says. 40 days, same thing, you develop a habit. So if you start reading your Bible, imagine in the first 40 days, you're not going to want to do it. You're going to miss it. But you keep at it and 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 keep at it. And someday, by the grace of God, it'll form into a godly habit of a godly soldier who is in the war. And you're going to please him who called you to be a soldier. That's what this stuff's about. It's about forming character or godly habits, manners of practice, character, habits that are righteous and godly. Then you start getting habits after you get those basic habits down. There's others. You start getting habits of helping people. One of our couples in this this room even uh, one time came to me and says, my wife and I get up every morning and we say, in our first morning prayer, we say, God, who can we help today? I just wanted to lay on the floor and cry like a baby. Yes, I love that. That is spiritual maturity. Who can we help today? And then all day long they look around. Who can we help? Who can we help? And I know this this couple, and you dare not tell them anybody to help or they'll one-up you and take it, take it over. Because I want the blessing. I don't want them to have it. In other words, there's competition here at the gospel. Who can give first? And we and that's the kind of competition mature people have. Hey, I want to buy. No, I want to buy. No, I want to buy. No, I want to buy. We're fist fight at the table. <laughs> Folks, condescend to men of low estate, the Bible says. That's a habit. That's a habit. Help people that can't be helped. That's a habit. Spiritually, these things of the Spirit will build your spirit up and make you whole. And you won't have to have Prozac. And you won't have to have uh, antidepressants. And you won't have to have anti-anxiety medicine. And you won't have to have because the Spirit of God will come and fill you. And when He fills you, you will have the peace of God from the God of peace that passes all understanding and cannot be explained to the world. You want to get over your depression? You want to get over your, a lot of the things that harass you, which could be brought there by God so that you'll get these good godly habits because you're a soldier, whether you like it or not, once you get born again, and he is going not to give up on you. Father, help us today to understand what it means to be a soldier of the cross. Hard for me to quit. Pray, Father, that you'd come, that you do an explanation of what I could not do. Help us to develop godly habits. Habits that are right. Habits, habits that, that you could look at 100 people that are saved and say, is this a good thing to do? And they say, it's a good thing to do.
Not questionable, not iffy, not, ooh, I don't know, but a good thing to do. Help us to have a habit of passing tracts out. Help us to have a habit of telling others about Christ. Help us to have a habit of sharing our testimony of salvation. Help us to have a habit of feeding the soul. Help us to be holy and pure, separated from the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eye, and the pride of life. Maybe there's someone in here without Christ today. You have been stumbling, bumbling through this old world. You're struggling. You've got to have something. You know you have to have something more than you've had. Why don't you come and ask us to show you the Bible, how, they, how you can be saved, how you can know Christ. In a room in the back in private, if you'll come, uh, a mature Christian will take you and show you the Word of God. Just the beginning of the journey. Father, you come in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.